Wilson Show. This is Monday, January 25th, 2021. Uh, today's episode, we're going to go over a lot of stuff that's more going to be uh, hopefully educational to people that just don't understand how things work and how they get to be where they are. Uh, mostly, especially since we've got such a big controversy going on over energy uh, and pipelines. So let's try and clear up some of that mess as well. Um, the Keystone Pipeline, everybody's heard that it's got shut down. Um, the thing with that is, is we already have, you know, thousands of miles of pipeline across the U.S. And it's really been a long time since we've had a major. Uh, leak from those. I mean, we we have had one here in Utah up in one of the canyons uh, east of Salt Lake. Uh, so I mean, they they do happen, but the rarity of them happening is a lot less than if you're going to put thousands of semi trucks and trailers out on the road, moving constantly every day. Uh, not to mention just the amount of pollution they put out. I mean, and I'm not trying to say anything against the, the shipping industry because they're just, you know, trying to do what everybody else tries to do, make a living. And that's done a lot of trucks and rail cars. So the amount of oil spilled compared to pipelines, though, is a lot more devastating uh, when those accidents do happen. Um, there was an accident that happened in, I think it was Canada. Let's see here. Let's pull up a, a site that says trucks, trains, or pipelines, the best way to transport petroleum. And this is from 2013. So obviously, you know, so other things have happened in between then and now. But pipelines transport not just crude oil. They also transport natural gas, which everybody uses for a water heater for the most part. You've got a standard water heater. It uses natural gas to heat the water. That's how you get a warm shower. That's how you get hot water to put in a cup, in a pan, through a hose, do your wash, the dishes. Uh, your regular water, you know, will go through coming from a pipeline that is buried usually out in the road. Ran through a pipeline that goes to your house. It's pipelines are efficient. And that is why they are used everywhere. Your sewer is a pipeline. Uh, all the stuff that we take for granted every day and more and more people are not educated about these things because it's been politicized. Um, I've worked in the construction industry probably 20 to 25 years from everything from running cable TV lines to fiber optics, to gas lines, to sewer and water, about every kind of pipeline you can think of, I've probably worked on over my career. Uh, so I do know a little bit about it. And like I say, you know, if we're going to try and say, oh, we're saving the environment by shutting down a pipeline, um, it's misguided. So pipelines especially are, are 
have gotten a lot better than the the older ones. The you know they're they're more strict on trying to prevent these. A lot of them got double or triple wall pipelines they put in now. Um, they do have people that monitor the right of ways of where these pipelines run. You know, looking for leaks and different things. They're really stringent on when they run steel pipelines of the welding. They x-ray every weld, make sure there's no flaws in the welds. Uh, they wrap them with all this fancy tar-like wrap stuff to keep any kind of corrosion in any of these weld joints. The, most of the pipes are, are lined with another, uh, I'm not sure what the poly coating is, but it's an, just an extra layer to protect them. Uh, and then the pipeliners, when they are laying this stuff, before this stuff is buried, they usually run a, a tool down it that looks for any kind of nick in these uh, coatings. Because if it has a spot where it can ground out to the earth, it will corrode there super fast and you will have a leak there. So they've got all kinds of tools and stuff that actually work to help make these things safer and they've got inspectors that are there you know all the time especially the the, the companies that own these pipelines the last thing they want to do is have to go do damage control because uh, one exploded or it leaked and it ran into a river which we've seen up in uh, uh, I can't remember the canyon there in the north of Salt Lake somewhere there but it uh they run all the time is one one other thing is so they can be pushing uh, multiple kinds of oil fuel uh, whatever they are running through some of the more like crude oils some of these pipelines can actually transfer over say they got to run uh, two million gallons of diesel to from somewhere to somewhere they have a way that they can pump that for as long as they need to. They have a way to measure how far it's gone and then where they can stop. They'll put a gap plug in and then they can pump petroleum, fuel, gasoline right behind it to the same place. Now, I don't know if it sometimes just needs to be refined. That That's the part I don't know about, you know, but I do know they run high pressure so they they really want to take care of these lines and not have accidents because we have seen examples in the past where they have exploded so like i say a lot of these are under high pressure so when they do have a leak or something like that they can be pretty deadly but there is uh <clears throat> yeah let's see so in quebec in let's see what was it Train transport is far more dangerous. Uh, the Quebec train disaster killed at least 38 people and counting. So I don't know. This doesn't have really an updated uh, count on what happened with that. And it also says no pipeline failure has ever come close to this level of human death and suffering. Even more dangerous is truck transport. It's a bit amazing there aren't more big stories, but trucks carry comparatively small loads compared to trains and are involved at some point in almost all the gallons delivered to consumers. Uh, you know, right here in Bountiful, 
North Salt Lake. We do have our own refinery there and there are pipelines that bring crude oil in there and it gets refined and they ship trucks out of there constantly day and night trying to keep gas stations fueled up uh, where I work they have trucks coming in there constantly to try and keep fuel at our islands our fuel islands so to shut these down these pipelines down it's it's not helping bring gas prices down and it's actually burning more to get the same amount you're so you're burning all this diesel fuel in trains uh, and diesel trucks transports they all run off diesel which is for the most part it's a pretty dirty gas when it's you know coming out the exhaust pipe so to shut down these these pipelines that it, once they're done and they're up and running actually helps bring down emissions because you're not paying for all these trains and you know literally thousands of if not tens of thousands of semi trucks throughout the industry that transport all this crude oil so if that's what they're doing from Canada they're trying to bring you know tar sands down to I don't know if it was Texas or somewhere somewhere down towards the coast where there's a refinery and they're gonna refine it down there which will help our consumption of energy so I mean if we like higher prices then yeah we wanna we wanna make it as hard as we can on these companies in any way possible and uh, it usually comes from the political side of it that it uh, will drive ultimately in the long run you know I know a lot of these companies make a lot of money which that's a whole nother debacle there on why we give money to these oil companies that are already making billions of dollars profits every quarter but that's a political thing, so I'm not even going to get into that one. That's a whole another topic. So I'm just trying to get out the actual facts of what people just don't understand and don't realize because we we rely relied on politicians and the news to give us what they claim are facts, and when you see them talking about certain stuff that you know about and obviously you can tell they don't know about is kind of irritating because you know most of these people have been in politics their whole lives they have no clue they don't have a clue how water ends up at their faucet in their house or at the drinking fountain or to go wash their hands in a bathroom they don't understand how what had to happen to get that commodity to them and it's the same with like these these oil pipelines a lot of them I just don't think they understand that or they don't care that's probably the biggest things they don't care it doesn't fit their polit political interests so they're gonna demonize it they're gonna get the support from the environmental groups and all that stuff and the only thing I mean you can look all over the place if you know what you're looking for and see where pipelines run and the only reason you can is because they don't want 
major growth of trees and things like that growing back over the top of where these pipelines are because if anybody knows what trees do they cause problems uh, just in themselves you know they're they're beautiful they create shade and oxygen but on a pipeline right away they're bad news so a lot of times they'll just usually be at uh, cheat grass or something like that so it's usually just it you know once the summer hits it turns that yellow color and you'll see a definitive line up through the hills you know through the plains wherever they're running that's usually where one's at just due to the fact that they don't want all that big growth on top of the pipelines because it just it's going to be a potential for other problems so anyways yeah so they had that spill 2013 that was when this article was written uh, just the just the amount of fuel we have to use to transport that stuff you know if we really want to lower emissions it makes more sense to let allow these pipelines to be put in but like I say it, it turns into a political thing and it's a whole different story and also so it says um, the personal injuries from truck accidents are more diffuse than trains but add up to more accumulated injuries and deaths truck plus petroleum products and injury are death accidents are fairly common these three transport modes carry almost all the fuels we use spilling a 3,000 gallon semi trailer of fuel is quite a problem spilling a row of tank cars with petroleum capacities ranging from about 20,000 to over 60,000 gallons is a different problem but a leaking pipeline is a whole other kind of problem. Uh, the thing is with pipelines as well is that, like I say, they've gotten to where they can detect abnormalities in the flow rate. So they have ways of shutting these down usually fairly quick nowadays. Not all of them because a lot of these old you know, pipelines are older. So it makes more sense really to place new ones and get rid of quit using the old ones even though you know they're there they're going to use them until there's a problem where they have to shut them down but it's uh goes on most pipeline leaks start very small usually from corrosion eating away from the outside the mechanical piercing almost always reveals the new leak most all leaks are eventually found just comparing meters at the ends of a pipe section can reveal a problem there is the product lost and the cleanup of expenses that all spills entail. Uh, like I say, you know, like I say, they don't want the leaks to happen. I mean, because that's just money out of their pocket. They got to do a lot of stuff uh, environmentally. I'm not saying it always happens, but a lot of the stuff they have to do to clean it up gets pretty expensive. Um, According to a recent report from the U.S. Department of Transportation Pipeline and Hazardous Materials Safety Administration, the majority of leaks are smaller but can persist for months or even years, and those that are even reported are generally done so by people who have stumbled upon them by accident. Pipeline leaks that get noticed by the public first are about a quarter percent of the leaks reported, followed by operators and their contractors. And then they have specialized leak detection systems that catch about 12%, uh, other and blank total 20%, air patrols catch 5%, controllers 5%, ground patrollers by operators 
uh, emergency responders turning seven percent and parties that cause accidents six percent there like I say there's a lot of these pipelines everywhere uh, you got a lot of construction work that will cross over them just naturally because of where these things run um, so accidents are gonna happen people just don't understand that uh, puncturing one of these can be pretty uh, deadly uh, like I say especially a lot of these cross-country high-pressure ones they usually run at like 2500 psi so when they are pierced it basically ignites itself a lot of it uh, crude oil I don't know if it really does but a lot of the uh, your fuels and natural gas especially on these high pressure ones they'll ignite under their own pressure exploding out the side of these pipes and will cause a big hole and pretty much kill anybody within probably a quarter mile radius of the blast um, so like I say they do have places they can shut these down but anyways it moves on so it's a little reality check is a typical crude oil tank car might be 32,000 gallons. That's one car. A crude oil train could be a hundred or hundreds of cars, you know, depending on what kind of load they got to haul out from somewhere. You know, if they can, they're going to, if they get a load for 200 cars, they'll bring in extra engines to help push the load or stop the load or whatever. But they can add literally a lot of cars on these train to, you know, so let's say they're they're doing a comparison of a hundred cars at thirty two thousand gallons is three million two hundred thousand gallons. Uh, the terrible nasty pipeline crude spill in Arkansas Arkansas was estimated at a total of eighty thousand gallons escaping during the forty five minutes that it took for the leak to be detected and then stopped. About two and a half rail cars worth. So at Lac Megantic, Quebec. Several rail, rail cars carrying oil derailed and caught fire at about 1.15 local time on July 6th, forcing the evacuation of 2,000, killing 38 so far and many more injured still to recover. Um, like I say, when any kind of outside transportation, the, I mean, it's no different than driving a car. The more you're driving your car, the higher the odds are you're going to get in a wreck. It's just, you know, statistics. Uh, they even, I think they say, in the people that drive within a five mile, mostly a five mile radius of their home are the more likely people to be getting in a wreck as well. So it's, you know, and that's, like I say, just statistics on that stuff. Okay, so... The Washington-based Association of American Railroads said in a report this year the rate of hazardous material spills by railroads is about 2.7 times higher than pipelines. The cost for rail transport is about three times higher than pipelining. So not only there is now your end consumer is going to be able to make the savings down the line by being able to transport this material through pipelines easier. And more efficient so what about the leak matter the pipeline opponents scream about the current leak detection technology is called pigging 
The PIGs are inspection gauges that can do a variety of maintenance operations on a pipeline, from inspecting to cleaning without stopping the pipeline's flow. The first PIGs were used strictly for cleaning and they got their name from the squealing noise they emitted while traveling through the pipeline. The current generation of smart pigs can detect corrosion in the pipeline and are thus relied on for leak detection. So that's kind of like one of those plug things I was you know, telling you about they can put in there to actually change from running diesel fuel to unleaded gas. You know, they just change it over and then start the pumps back up and start pushing fuel. And then they usually know about how far it's gone in a certain amount of time, how fast it's flowing, all all the details of it. So it's it's really just more efficient. Okay, but it does say still the current systems and technologies only detect 50% of leaks. Big leaks like the one in Arkansas and another a few years ago in the Kalamazoo only add up to about 10% of leaked material. Little leaks make up the other 90% and the leaking cars and trucks of the nation utterly dwarf that volume. The bad news is there isn't a lot of new technology to apply. Operators' attitudes leave, leaves a lot to be desired. Some of the big operators remain skeptical of new pipeline leak detection systems as their cost-saving applications are as yet you know, unproved. Many have a hard time believing the new technology works and have to see proof through customer field tests, which surprisingly are currently ongoing. The facts are rather well stark. Pipelines are lower cost, safer, and less damaging than all kinds of motor transport. The environmentalists would be more credible if they had a history and reputation for clearing up the black oil slick in the middle of America's highway lanes, where far more oil is deposited with little notice. In the end, though, it boils down to lives, suffering, and safety. The economy, our standard of the living, the health and welfare of our families and communities depend on a supply of crude oil. The Keystone XL pipeline is stopped lacking just one person's action. As that person is a lawyer, we might wonder what it's called when someone purposefully chooses to endanger other lives over safer alternatives. And this is the part where the, the environmentalists and stuff get involved. And they can shut all these things down. You know, all they got to do is file a, a motion in the courts. And then these companies got to shut down and wait until it gets litigated or whatever comes out of court decisions. Spending sometimes millions of dollars trying to defend where this pipeline's going. And a lot of the times these are right-of-ways that these pipeline companies go through and lease or you know pay farmers if they're running through farmers they have them sign off on where it's going you know and kind of uh, they put them at a certain depth you know so they're hopefully not going to be damaged by any of the farmers still going to be able to farm that part of the land uh, they'll pay them for crop damages you know what whatever time of the year it is if that's when they're digging through there to place this pipeline they have to go through and get all these things signed legally before they can just put these pipelines through places so but this is where it gets tricky is when you start running onto federal lands which especially here in the west is ridiculous because the federal government thinks that they get to control 70 some odd percent of the western states lands 
instead of the, the states themselves controlling the lands. Either it's going to be BLM, uh, it's going to be National Forest Service, or some kind of federally regulated entity of some sort. But anyways, let's get back to, I don't know, like I say, just, just your water. Pipelines in general. Uh, pipelines are usually put in, especially if you live in a, a new subdivision. All this stuff is put in before your house even gets built. And then as they're building it, they tie on to it. They run your main water line into your house. Uh, they throw a meter on it, you know, and then you pay for what you use. So power is the same thing. They run all the power conduits and the lines. Uh, as soon as the foundation and the house is built, they put the power in, the power in to put the meter on. And then, you know, when you close on your house, you go and talk to the companies, you pay your bills. Uh, but you don't understand that when you flip the light switch on, where that power comes from. Now, most of the, the U.S. is still, I think it's mainly coal-fired power plants still, for the most part. Because building a new power plant is expensive. Um, we have started, I, I think they've started a lot of new power plants that are running off of natural gas. Because once we had all that boom with the, uh, the oil industry, you know, especially North Dakota and stuff, even out in the basin here in Utah, you end up getting a lot of natural gas pockets. And a lot of these places, they just burn it off. They'll burn it off for a couple weeks sometimes, you know, depending on how big the pocket is. Usually a big natural gas pocket right above all the oil. So once they tap into it, they just light up a pipe up in the air, 30, 40 feet, whatever it is, and they light it up and they burn all that natural gas off because they have nowhere to put it. And it costs too much to try and get the, the relatively little pocket of that stored somewhere versus what they're really trying to get, which is the oil below it. So that's kind of your basic breakdown on that stuff. Um, but even that, you have to run pipelines to run these natural gas power plants. And sometimes those turbines take a lot of natural gas. But what you get instead, though, is low emission and more steam than anything. They do require a lot of water to keep all these turbines and stuff cool. Same kind of deal with nuclear power is it, it runs for a lot longer without having to worry about getting rid of the waste from the, uh, the nuclear rods or whatever. I don't remember what the name is of them. But they use a lot of water because they got to keep them cool. They want to naturally heat up, and that's just you know part of the process on producing nuclear power. But they probably are the most efficient now, probably not back in the day, but now the new technology of how those are set up is a lot more safer. Um, we don't put them in places where they can be easily damaged, you know, like either tsunamis, earthquakes. You know, you don't want to put them close to a fault line, obviously. But Everything that we just take for granted on a daily basis, even our cell phones, you don't understand how many cell towers 
there are scattered across your city, mountaintops, uh, the underground lines that have to transport other data. I mean, just the, the grid of our daily lives that come from the energy industry. Number one, if it wasn't for electricity, we wouldn't be, I wouldn't be doing this podcast right now because I wouldn't have a way to charge my iPhone that I'm recording this podcast on. I also wouldn't have power to recharge my laptop that I'm picking up all these internet articles up. Uh, the internet itself. How do you get the internet? Well, it runs on radio waves. How are those radio waves generated? It takes power. It takes energy. Where do you get the energy? You're not getting. You're not getting this stuff from solar panels and windmills. I mean, you can look that up all you want. I mean, it's it's a bold idea to use those things, but you've always got to realize. The wind's not always going to blow and the sun's not always going to be out. So they're not reliable sources of energy. And not to mention that, if you want to take just the footprint of one power plant that's ran by a coal-fired power plant, uh, nuclear, or uh, natural gas, just the footprint of any of those versus what a wind farm or a solar farm take up, is astronomical to make anywhere near the same amount of power. You know, we've, we've got a lot of uh, hydroelectric power too, which as long as we keep getting moisture higher up in the, the higher elevations, a runoff water, you have water to fill up the dams, and when you let the water through, it turns the turbines, and you constantly will get power out of those. And especially here in the west where we are a desert, desert, deserty west for the most part uh, we need probably to start looking into being able to build more dams and regulating this water I mean all this all this water coming out of the Rockies and stuff it all ends up in the ocean eventually you know I mean I don't know why we don't look at other pipelines to Especially here in Utah, we have the Great Salt Lake. It's a salty body of water anyways. We could actually build a pipeline somewhere from the coast, pump water back into the Great Salt Lake. It's, it's evaporating. It's been evaporating for tens of thousands of years probably. You know, Back when most of the northern state and clear out into Nevada was covered in a, a, a lake that was called Lake Bonneville. And you can look it up on the maps. They have maps of where the water lines have been, the water tables, you know, hundreds of feet deep in a lot of places. And covered a lot of square miles. But you also get a lot of evaporation from that, and you get a lot of lake effect snow, which when that, that lake's getting pretty much dried out for the most part. I mean, it's... It's an inland lake. It doesn't run anywhere. So it loses its volume by evaporation. But we used to get a lot of that back due to the storms would come in and they'd pick up a lot of that moisture off the lake 
and create more snowpack in the mountains, which in turn the, the mountains themselves would filter all that stuff out. We get drinking water, it runs down the rivers, back into the lake, the excess. Uh, same thing from everything down this way, the Provo, Spanish Fork rivers. They all come into Utah Lake, it runs down the Jordan River into the Great Salt Lake, and then it, that's where it kind of stays. But those water sources are getting leaner, you know, especially right now that we need to look at other ways to be more efficient with our energy and that goes to these pipelines and different things you know it's like if we're gonna keep just burning all this fuel because somebody some environmentalist that doesn't doesn't understand the bigger picture on what's trying to be done I, I, they're just simple-minded only thinking this is gonna produce more carbon emissions because uh, it'll just help people get cheaper cheaper gas well that's not a bad thing in my opinion because the cheaper that is then we start finding more efficient ways to use it And we get people to, you know, just think of uh, public transit. You know, they're finally starting to get a little bit better on their emissions end with buses and trains and different things. But they're not efficient as far as getting people on them. To just drive up gas prices does not necessarily mean you're going to put more and more people on these mass transit units. Uh, most people here in America especially like their freedom to be able to drive their car when and where they want to and it would seem to make more sense to be more efficient with our combustible engines and get a way to burn this fuel and stuff more efficiently which it will also drive down the price of our, our gas and diesel because there's not going to be a, as big of a demand for it if you're not going down to the gas station to fill up twice as often. So I think there's other ways better to be more efficient. And that's exactly what brought in pipelines in the first place. If you think about back in the day, where did people put their sewage? Well, if they were next to a river and they weren't downstream... Well, that's where a lot of it went. You know, they did it in a bucket, did their business, and either tossed it out far away from the house or down by the river or something, washed the bucket out to put it back in the house. So, flushing toilets, flicking on the light, being able to turn the faucet on, the economic power that our country has just due to these simple things that every day we do and use but have no idea how it functions or what had to happen to make it get to your house or your business or your your shop or whatever is the part we we need to be educated on instead of listening to these stupid politicians that have never worked any of these jobs in their entire life They've 
been lawyers and you know or a politician or both or you know a lobbyist or something but I've never actually seen how this stuff works is the problem that's why we don't ever get anywhere with any of this stuff because we got too many people pulling political strings versus actually looking at the reality Uh, if you don't believe me, don't go on a vacation to a tourist town anywhere outside of the United States in like either Mexico or uh, any of the South American countries. Don't go to a tourist attraction town. Go to the towns where the people really have to struggle to survive. And you'll start understanding why everybody wants to come to America. Especially if you're one of those people that hates America for, I don't know, whatever, we're a bunch of racists or whatever stupid excuse you want to come up with. That's not the reason why you would go to a different country as if, oh, there's a bunch of racists that, that live there. Let's, let's try and go to that country. You understand how stupid that sounds. That is not why people, especially in South America, want to get here. First of all, their governments are super corrupt, which ours isn't too far behind, I don't think. Uh, even if you want to take Venezuela as an example, they used to be super uh, capitalistic. But then they got in the mindset that, oh, we want the government to do this and that, and you know, we, and we pay taxes, so why not, right? Well, that leads down the dark road of eventually somebody ends up in power with all the power. They take over all of these uh, pipelines that were once privately owned and they start controlling them. And then they pretty much cut anybody they don't agree with off. They don't do any of the maintenance to the pipelines because they don't know how to. If you don't believe me, look at look at the history. Go back, Google it, if it's even still on the internet. That's another whole pipeline that's getting shut down right now is the Arbiters of Truth. And that's the internet pipeline. They're scrubbing information to fit a political narrative. So I'm not trying to claim that I know everything, but like I say, in the construction world, I've done a lot of different jobs. I mean, even just down to the the manufacturers of equipment that you know modern day equipment that we use that makes it more efficient to put in these necessities more than anything uh, what we really should be doing as well as a country is figuring out how to get our steel mills open back up you know we want to talk about uh, we're energy independent that doesn't mean we're not still importing oil from other countries. What, what that's saying is that we we have the option of, okay, this country over here that we was getting all this oil from is now in a civil war or in a war with some other country next door. That if it interrupts our supply of oil, we can turn our pumps on and start pumping more oil and not see a disruption and that's the the private industry doing that it's not our government saying oh well we need to 
we'll just go over and flick the switch and turn all these pumps on and look at me I'm I'm uh, Joe Schmo from whatever state and look what we did for you guys that's what we don't want now I'm not saying a capitalist society is exactly perfect because you know it has its down pitfalls as well but still greatest country in the world with some of the best systems in place that make our lives one of the, the best countries in the world to live in because of our ideas, because of our, it's not even necessarily our ideas, but just because of our free, mostly free capitalist society. So even if somebody from another country was able to come in here, invent something, you know, they come become a, a citizen or get here on a green card or whatever, you know, and want they want to be a part of this. That's why they bring their ideas here but our politics of it is what drains this country right now. That's what we need to get rid of is the politics. And we need to get rid of the people that are are pulling all these political stunts. Because eventually I don't know if it'll open any eyes but you can't have the government running these private industries. The government doesn't know how to. They don't do anything efficiently. If you don't believe me, you can look that up too. And you'll find me any any place that runs efficiently that the government runs, and you'll start to get the picture. So, hopefully, this is a little bit. I know there's there's a tons of people that I've even helped in my neighborhoods and different places that have no idea how stuff works. You know, even even down to my my kids, you know, I I need to do a better job teaching them that look, you can do these other jobs, but don't look down on these jobs because these guys are, you know, hairy, they look like a mess, this dude's covered in grease or something like that. Because those jobs are the ones that keep your cars running that get you to work. Uh, if you're lucky enough, I guess, to work at home. The other guys are the ones that are keeping the power plants running, keeping the electricity going to your laptop, to your iPhone, uh, everything in industry that's ever been built, basically, to this modern day, uses some kind of energy consumption, especially power, water, oil products. I mean, look that up if you want to know what would happen if we lost the oil industry. Go down that list and decide what, how many of those things you can live without. No, don't don't take my word for it. Just look up what products are made from uh, oil pro. You know, the oil industry. Uh, I mean, right down to some companies have gotten away from a lot of it in the cosmetics area. But even just plastics and different things that we use every day and most everything is made of anymore. You know, and we're getting better at being able to make stuff recyclable. But even the recycling industry has got a long ways to go to improve on being able to recycle things that, you know, they don't deem as maybe as profitable to recycle. So they don't. It ends up in, back in the landfill anyways. So just education, 
that's I think what our country's lacking right now is just education on how stuff is made, how it's how it works outside of a laptop or a computer or what you can find on your iPhone uh, on social media. Dig a little bit because a lot of this stuff sometimes gets buried a couple pages in on what the real truth of certain things are. And I, I found that out myself just being in stuff and trying to find information on certain things. You read certain articles and he's like, this person doesn't know what they're talking about. And it's all over the place because you're starting to get journalists that are opinionists, not actual journalists. They don't go out and try and find the actual facts. They heard something or they seen a tweet somewhere and they report on that instead of actually going out to these places and actually talking to people that know what the hell they're talking about and finding out the information. That's why you can't trust the information that even I'm telling you or the first couple ones you find in a, a search somewhere that they're the ones that are going to give you the best information. And I mean, there's plenty of books and stuff out there too. They'll, they'll break it down to more simpler forms that you don't have to be some kind of genius to figure out. Because like I say, as far as engineering and different things like that, there's a lot of things that I don't understand. I never went to school for that stuff, but I, I knew how to put the stuff together and put it in the ground and get that service to people's homes. And that's the part that we need to educate ourselves on is realize you sitting behind a computer is not going to get water to your toilet so you can go and use the bathroom because you drank too much coffee or make your coffee in the first place because you needed to get that water through your sink into your coffee pot to put in the coffee pot. So we just need to educate ourselves. I hope this was uh, somewhat helpful. Uh, probably didn't cover everything that I know about, but at least a basic, you know, mental picture, if nothing else, uh, or just spark an idea on, hey, I, I want to know more about this. Let me go look some stuff up. And like I say, don't take the first article you read as exact truth, because like I say, a lot of these journalists or supposed journalists are mostly opinionists. They don't go out and do the work to find out the actual facts. And that's what you're starting to see in the news a lot, too, is they're just retweeting or they're regurgitating somebody else's nonsense and claiming it as fact. And that's where we're getting lost on all this stuff in the politics part of it when we're getting lazy. So anyways, I hope everybody has a good day. Hopefully that informed some somebody a few things and I'll see what I come up with uh, next time and hope you enjoyed the show thanks